0: Hello and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place where we share creative and inspiring learning in our schools. Episode 64. Hello and welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast with me Mark Taylor. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Flora Barton, who's the head teacher of Cromash Gifford Primary School. Hello. Hello. I first met Flora just a few weeks ago there was um, a celebration event um, by the National Association for Primary Education which was really the combination of a European project that the the association had been involved in um, going around different countries in Europe looking at the way that they teach Um, and there were six schools in Oxfordshire here in the UK that took part and, and their focus was on how outside trips away from the school confines of their buildings actually had an effect on the learning of their children. And through my conversation with her at that event, we also talked about testing and marking. And she was telling me how um, they do much more limited testing, if any testing at all. um, And also that marking is done much more verbally rather than written down. And I thought it's really exciting and something I'd really like to, to talk more about. So thanks, Flora. And just tell us a little bit about your history from the school's point of view.
1: Okay, um, so I've I've been teaching for a little while now, and I was deputy head teacher at a two form entry before I came here. Saw that the opportunity came up, and uh, jumped on it. Came to visit, and was delighted to be appointed head teacher here. Uh, it's close to home, which is great. Um, so a part of the community, and it's brilliant.
0: And how long have you been here?
1: This is now my fifth year. Fifth year.
0: And in terms of your journey here at the school has it been fairly straightforward or has there been lots of changes i mean how how is it has it worked over that five year period that that you've actually been head teacher
1: no it's absolutely been um, a journey that's for sure um it's it's been a challenging journey um I don't think we've had one year without its challenges and its ups and downs um we try and do things quite differently here so it it has gone against the grain um but the you know, it's been a great journey. It's been wonderful. And uh, there's definitely been transformation and thinking and and changes in everyone um, and in the community.
0: And can you take us through what some of those changes are? I mean, is it basically been policy? Is it been an ethos thing or or just just sort of take us on a little journey through through what those changes actually are? Um
1: First of all, it was a, it was a wonderful school when I arrived um, and definitely a part of the community. Um, one of the things was about building the team, building up the staff um, and getting them working together, opening up our doors and working in collaboration. I think that was a big, big thing. Um, also, what the, the big thing to begin with was about creating independent learners. Um, and focusing rather on, on testing, but focusing on children developing skills of resilience, bounce-back ability, um, learning from mistakes, and those skills. As we know, um, teaching children skills of how to be a learner and how to learn is more successful in actually cr- getting children ready for tests than anything. Um, so we don't teach to a test. We actually develop children with these learning skills so that they are able to do well in whatever they're, they're thrown into.
0: When that really does sound fantastic, but in in practice, what does that mean? No testing, and and how does that fit in with the? I mean, the current climate that we're in with the, the Sats coming up in the next few weeks, and also you know lots of teachers will expect marking to be maybe colour coded so that um, students know what they're doing. So how do, how does that fit in with with the way the school works?
1: So the not teaching to tests obviously has become a part of the journey. To begin with, um, when I first started, it was about creating independent learners. Um, So one of the first things that we started with was actually an approach which we call in our school Purple Learning, which is um, from Diana Pardo, and it's underpinned by Carol Dweck's growth mindset. And that was all about creating independent learners, getting them ready for whatever challenges they came up against, getting themselves to challenge themselves, um, and understanding what skills they needed to be the best learners that they could be no matter what they were learning. Um, and from that um, then came the removal of levels, which all schools had to buy into. Um, the removal of levels for us was an opportunity. We, we took it as a chance to actually question the purpose of everything we did in school. And as part of this, now we have two core questions. And one of the questions is, what are we doing? Um, how will it impact the children? What is the purpose of what we are doing? And then the other thing that we have to think about is also what impact will it have on staff workload? Um, Key to us is well-being of our staff, well-being of our children, and we all truly believe that this happens with the staff first. Um, If our staff are happy, if our staff have well-being, you know, a work-life balance, then they're going to be able to come into their job, give 110%, and and then inspire and engage our children. Passionate children are created by passionate teachers. Um, Therefore getting well-being right has been our massive priority. Um, one of the first things I said when I started here was that teachers needed to be able to leave twice a week by 4:15 with nothing in their hands. Um, it wasn't in place when I first started, so what we have been doing is about creating an, an environment in which we can do that. Um, so those are some key crucial questions that we ask ourselves when we're implementing anything. So when the removal of levels came, it it made us think about how we were going to assess assess our children, how we were going to create a curriculum that was rich, broad, and engaged our kids. Um, And from this, we created our own assessment system. So where there were many schools buying into assessment systems, which actually now, within the past year, they've realized doesn't work for their school, we decided we would go ahead and create our own assessment system. So this started with our subject leads and I asked the teachers to create the system because if it doesn't work for the teachers there's no point assessing. I didn't care about, you know, what I got. And actually there was a year as a head teacher where I had no data whatsoever, which was quite scary and my governors didn't quite agree. <laughs> so that that was that was quite a challenge. Um but from this we have now embedded our assessment system. Um and it is just assessing children in the daily learning through daily questioning and understanding what they can do. As part of this, we then removed tests. And the reason we did this was because what we were finding in our pupil progress meetings was that actually teachers were relying on tests to assess the children, which is what we wanted. Instead, we wanted an assessment system where teachers clearly knew where their children were, what the children were successful at, where they needed to get to, but more crucially, how to fill the gaps between those two places. Um, And therefore, this is what we needed to focus on. So actually, the removal of tests meant that teachers needed to teach, needed to adapt their teaching, needed to adapt their lessons on a day-to-day basis. So they were actually teaching for learning rather than teaching to a plan, which is what was happening. Um, and I think happens, you know, all across all across the country because teachers are used to planning, having plans checked, looked at by senior management. I've never, you know, I've had a three-week period where I check planning and that's it. Um, and other than that, we don't check planning because it's about adapting for learning. Um, and tweaking the lessons so that we're actually teaching the children what they need to know rather than teaching from a plan. So the removal of assessment, removal of levels, has meant that um, we're assessing what the children can and can't do rather than knowing the children by a test. Obviously, we do the statutory test, so we do phonics, we do the year six tests, we would love not to do them. Um, however, um, we don't as much as we can, we don't focus ever on this. Um, in year six, you know I tell the, I tell the year six teacher, we're not worried about Sats; just teach what we need to teach them. Um, but obviously, always with the threat of Sats, it, it's a hard thing, and it's something that he's still learning to do and still learning to let go of. Um, but it's something that we are definitely embedding within the school: um, is assessing children on a day-to-day basis and knowing what they're good at and what they're not good at.
0: the The idea of letting go, I think, is a really important one, and 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 also for the children as well. Just you know, because whether even if we could get rid of Sats altogether, is as, as as an idea. Um, the fact that if you have to do something that you don't want to do, or if you end up in a situation where you're not very comfortable, I think that also the learning process of understanding that we know this is the case, we might like it to be different, but how we approach how we deal with that actually is an important learning skill as well, I think. And I, and I, I can see how, like you say, the teachers learning that can really help the children too. Absolutely. When we were going around the school, um, I really liked the fact that it was really embedded that children knew if they had a question or they weren't quite sure about something, how they were going to move on if they were going to get stuck. Can you talk a little bit about how that works?
1: Yes. So um, this this comes along um, with our purple learning ethos. Um, so what we wanted to develop were independent learners, um, learners who, when they got stuck, knew what to do without going straight to the teacher. So when I used to walk around the school in the early days when I first started, you'd see lines of children sort of lining up behind the teacher to say, help me with this or I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. So one of the things that we really needed to get to grips was was about making children independent learners. Um, so every classroom has a five point plan and year five and six, the children create their own independent learning plans because um, they might have different ways uh, different resources and things that they can use to help them. Um, but through the school we have the five point plan, and in some you'll see in some schools that the boss appears, but we don't have the boss, which is the teacher. Uh, we don't have the teacher because actually it's about children understanding what resources they have around them who they can ask for help without going to the teacher obviously the teacher is there uh, but it's just about you know getting children to realize that they can be independent and they have the skills um, and things around them to actually help them when they get stuck
0: what i really like about that is i know an awful lot of the learning i've done having left school which is quite a few years now um is is exactly that this is what i'd like to create or this is what where i am either whether it's a work related thing or, or even a hobby related thing and i don't know anything about it or i know a little bit but i want to know more and at that point there is no teacher and and so having that understanding of where what do i know um who can i ask um, where are the resources that I can do and actually then being patient about the process of how you get from from A, a to B and it's certainly something which I come across a lot with my um, drum pupils when I'm teaching drums is the fact that the I'm not expecting you and you shouldn't expect yourself to be able to sit down and play the drums when you've never really learned before because how would you know <laughs> you know and, and and that you have to embrace the process of this is new so what skills do we know to put in place to help us learn this new type of thing? How do we then push through that? And what's our final objective? It happens to be a performance and the skills related to that. And, um, and what I hope that they feel, which I think is sort of replicated here in, from the, sc- the, the children's point of view as they go through the school, is the fact that it happens time and time again. Understanding that learning cycle and the way it feels and how you put it together and how you can actually support yourself to do it is just key.
1: Absolutely. And that's what Purple Learning is all about. Um, it's that ethos of actually children putting in the effort, the practice, the you know, the resilience, uh, the bounce back ability when they make the mistakes. And they know that actually they will be making loads of mistakes along the learning journey. But it's about learning from those mistakes and and continuing to put in that effort. Um, and it's great talking to the kids here because they absolutely will tell you everything about Purple Learning and what it means and, and how they can be successful learners. And that's what it's about. It's about creating lifelong learners. It's not about creating children who can just set a test at the end of year six. It's about creating children who develop these skills, who when they leave school, they want to be, you know, learners for life. That's, that's what learning's about. And actually, if we ever turn them off of that, then when they become adults, they'll have these negative memories about school and actually we should be creating as many positive memories about learning as possible so when they leave our school they continue having those positive memories and know what to do to create those memories.
0: And um, and in terms of curriculum and the sorts of things which they experience while they're at school how diverse are the things that you're able to cover obviously you have the academic subjects which go through and and the expansion of that and we talked a little bit before about um going on fit visits outside and using that as a as an inspiration for for getting things done but in terms of sport or music and, and that kind of thing do you try and embed that all together as part of the learning experience or um how does that work here
1: yes and i think i think this is an area as well when we talk about this is an area we are still trying to embed within the school. We don't have this right. Um, there's always a focus on math and English, um, but it's making sure that we are creating opportunities in school for every subject. so children become historians, they become geographers, they become musicians and it you know it's trying to get that balance right and creating those opportunities um so we We're pretty good now at music, and we have loads of opportunities in school for children to have music lessons within the school, so we have piano, we have um, brass instruments, we have strings instruments. Um, and guitar. We play recorders from reception all the way to year six, and our vision for music is that actually children are able to read music when they leave our school. We're not quite there yet, but that's what our vision is. That's what we're aiming to get to. Um, We have French going through the school. Um, We have someone who comes in externally to help us cook at the moment, Um, and that is to ensure that the children are having a rich cooking DT, you know, um, curriculum. Um, which often sort of gets pushed aside in the busyness of day-to-day life in school. Um, but this is creating a rich, varied and broad curriculum is absolutely what we need to do. And it's something that we are still trying to embed in school um, to make sure that we are actually engaging children and learning for every subject and that they they find the thing that they're really excited about and really interested in.
0: And um, the Key CoLab um, um, project, um, that was based on... Taking the children out of school and and having trips and visits and that kind of thing. So how's that impacted on the way that you've been teaching and the children have been learning?
1: So that research was extremely interesting, just in the fact that actually it raised the profile for us as a school of. The impact that educational visits can have. I think before going into it, we knew what the impact was going to be, um, but really focusing on it and and actually having to assess it and having to look at the skills that the children were were gaining by going on these educational visits made it really interesting for us because it clearly showed us the impact of you know educational visits on children's learning. So, for instance. Um, One trip I was actually really lucky because during this research I was actually teaching for a few months in the class that was going on some of these trips. So we went to um, just a local trip, we went to the Wallingford Museum and after we'd gone to the museum we decided to go to the castle gardens, the ruins, and we did a reenactment of pretending, you know, we were royalty in these gardens. And we came back to school and decided to do, we wanted to do a recount. The children decided they wanted to do a recount. So we came in and wrote this recount. I think some children had done diaries. And this one child who's normally very reticent in class and has really low confidence in himself and his abilities, hates to write. He wrote this incredible diary entry and actually then stood up in class and read it. And it's just seeing stories like that where you see these children who usually aren't engaged in learning, who suddenly come to life because of a really simple experience just outside of the classroom. And I think it made us realize more that it doesn't mean these grand trips. You don't have to do that. You can just go simply outside in your own environment and make learning come to life um, you can still do the same lessons but just in a different environment sometimes makes it more memorable for the children um, and I think it really brought that to life and one of the things actually that's sort of stemmed from this is a focus for us now we make sure that every class goes on three educational visits a year at least but that we are trying to use our outdoor space much more so that children are learning in a different context than just the classroom environment we now have one of um, some of the TAs in our school have taken on the learning of, of a couple of children where they've created and planned for these children to go to the local um, store. It's fantastic. They go into the store with their math resources. They take everything with them. The um, shopkeeper has actually created an environment in there where she's priced up all the, the sweets and allows them to use the cash register. And they go in there and they do their math lesson in this store. And it's fantastic because the community members come in, they see the children, they talk to the children, they talk to the TAs and say, what's going on? And they talk to them. And it's just it's just a brilliant way, such an easy resource to use but just a whole new way to open up learning and real maths learning. Um, And it's just creating opportunities like that, really.
0: And I think the community aspect is something all schools um, really strive to do. And and what I love about hearing these sorts of stories is the fact that it happens very organically. When you you have your idea of what you want the learning to be, these opportunities arise. And like you say once that's the case, the community and people within the community get on board because they want to be part of a community like that. They want their children in the school or their grandchildren in the school to be involved in that. And so anything they can do to help and it enriches their life immensely as well. And I just think that really is such a key factor.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, we really try to involve the community in learning within school. So we invite the community members in to read with our children. We invite them to our plays at Christmas Um, and we invite them to, you know, we have we now have each year, three times a year, we're trying to have a poetry and music evening. So Oracy is one of the things we're focusing on. So getting children to come and give TED Talks and getting children to come recite poetry or to sing. Um, and so we invite the community into events like that just to get them into our school and and to say that we're here. One of our values, actually, as a school is service. And so one of the things that we now do as as a school is three times a year at Christmas, harvest, and at Easter, we have our children. We we ask parents for donations of Easter eggs at Easter, uh, biscuits at Christmas, and harvest items at harvest and the children go and hand deliver to our senior citizens in our village um easter eggs at easter and with a card saying we're thinking of you at cromar So it it is about trying to get the community involved and actually making them realize that we're here as a school we're here thinking about them and we'd love them to get involved
0: yeah and 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 i think service is such an important thing and actually starting from the point of what i can do for someone else how i can support someone else and 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 i and i think it's all the joined up um, thinking about it, which I really like. It's the fact that it's 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 still part of school. It's it's still part of everything that's going on, but it's an integral part of it all. It's like it's like well, we've done our maths for the day and we've done our English for the day. So, what should we do now? <laughs> and um, yes. and and it's very easy to get into that, isn't it? You know, and and I think even more so as the children get older through the school. You know, there's a lot of talk sometimes about preparation for secondary school. You know, and secondary school, works like this. So, we're gearing you through that, and actually children change so much from every single year as, as they as yeah, they absolutely. go through. And, and embracing where they are at every point of that journey is an, an incredibly important thing.
1: Yes, it is. Yes.
0: So why don't we talk a little bit about where this stems from, from your point of view, you're obviously incredibly passionate about it. And you're able to enthuse, I mean, you need to have to just walk around the school to feel it coming from every member of staff and every child is really enthusiastic and I love the fact we walked across the playground and all the mass equations and things were being drawn on the playground in chalk it's that it's that kind of you just you really want to be part of it um, but where does that come from from you is it is there someone that mentored you or inspired you or is it just having a, a, a real sense of having experienced it another way that you didn't enjoy where, where's where's the sort of inner strength come from from that point of view
1: I think, I mean, as I said, it's been a journey. It's been a challenge to get to where we are. Um, you know, you always come into a school with a vision. As a leader, you always have a vision, I think. As educationalists, we have a vision of what we expect education to be. Um, but it's always not so easy to get everybody on board to that vision, no matter how much you try and get them get them in, involved. Um, so that's been a challenge as part of our journey, is making sure everyone's on board. Um, but... One of the things that we do, obviously, is is we question what we're doing, which means we are often doing things that aren't the status quo. We're often doing things that other schools aren't doing. Um, But it is about being brave. But the thing is 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 i question that i we always say it's about being brave but actually it's it's not about being brave it's actually about doing what's right for the kids and that shouldn't be bravery and i think we say it's bravery because we have ofsted and we have sats and we have all these external pressures which make us think we have to be doing something a certain way and actually we shouldn't be thinking that as leaders we should be thinking what's right for our kids what's right for the staff let's get it right for them and hopefully actually if we get it all right for them we can't really step a foot wrong because if it's right for the kids if it's right for our staff then whoever comes into the school to look at us to externally judge us it'll be right for them um, surely it has to be um so it's about doing what's right for the children it's about doing what's right for our community um and and i truly feel passionate about that but i think Having the ability to do that, it is about networking, it's about collaboration. Twitter is a great resource for for building up a network of people who are there to support you who have similar thoughts. Um, and people like Dame Allison Peacock, who obviously you know has a fantastic head, absolutely inspirational. It's hearing stories like hers where actually it makes you realize, yes, you can do it. There is another way. And it's just about more people doing it and more people putting the children truly at the center. And saying, actually, we're going to do that. We're not going to care about what Ofsted say. Because if Ofsted come in, they'll see that we are doing the right thing. And I think it's about that. Um, so, yes.
0: And I, th- I think that really is really what Ofsted, I think, in its original guise was, was set up to do. It was there to just go and see what was going on in schools. And, and it's and it's often sort of the tables have turned so much more around, that, as you said earlier, you know teaching to what you think Ofsted wants to see rather than just showing your school in its full glory and allowing them just to witness what it is and and, and I'm, I'm I'm sure it has to be exactly as you just said if, if everybody is shining and, and learning in a way they want to and staff that are loving what they're doing and inspiring the children through that that's what everybody wants it's what everyone needs and it's going to make the world a better place as the generations go through I mean I mean that has to be that way I'm fairly sure
1: and i think it's key that we have to start with you know the children obviously and and the teachers who teach them if teachers are coming in bedraggled and and tired every day because they've been up planning for hours or worried about an observation they're having the following day they're not going to be any good to the kids and and for kids to be inspired they have to have s- teachers and staff who are truly energetic and inspiring themselves and passionate about what they're doing and happy themselves coming into work every day um, or else the children won't be engaged, and they won't be learning. Um, I think for us as a school as well, I've been really lucky in that I've built this network up on Twitter. I've built up a network of fantastic head teachers within the partnership, um, and also the team here are truly brilliant. I have such an incredible team of staff who, who again, truly put the children at the centre of everything they do, and that's what makes the difference.
0: And it really is a journey, isn't it, that, to, to, to get everyone to really, I guess, believe that they can actually put their vision in place as well you know so like you say it's the school's vision it's your vision it's bringing their personalities and their vision in too which can take you that collaboration can take you in places you wouldn't have even imagined you know um, before um and you talked about a feedback in terms of knowing what's going on it's not as if the staff can just do what they like because actually just talking to the children and wandering around, you actually know much more about what's happening within each class and exa- um, each class and, and also the learning as well, because you get that feedback direct from the children.
1: Yes, so so one of the things, going back to the feedback, I didn't answer this question earlier. Um, verbal feedback is one of the main ways of giving feedback to children in our school. So when Ofsted came in in October, they looked through our year six books, for instance, and saw no teacher marking because it's all done by feedback by the teacher. Um, and this is something that we have sort of created within the school, and we we've been researching it and seeing how it works in key stage one opposed to key stage two and seeing really what is going to work best for our kids, and that's one of the things that we do very much in the school is is we research things, we try new things, and if it doesn't work, we don't do it. But if it does work, we think, okay, how can we really embed this throughout the school to make a real impact? Um, so verbal feedback is is one of the ways that that um, we assess the children, um, and the other thing is is formal observations um, really aren't part of what we do anymore, but rather I go and I talk to the kids. Um, so last year I was able to go and interview almost every child across the school and have deep learning conversations where they were proving their learning and their progress to me and talking to me about all the maths they were doing, the English and the geography and science. And for me as a head teacher, that information is far more critical and and actually tells me the whole story than just watching a, watching a lesson.
0: And I think you get so much more about how how you hear it, don't you, because when you're having a conversation, you get their personalities and their enthusiasm in in an you can't get that in a in a written assessment <laughs> and, no. and and i I always think the other way round is that when people are t- trying to contact you or ask you questions when it comes via text or email. There's a way that people take that information, whether it's positive or negative or somewhere in between, but you've got you don't have that personality and that injection of understanding which you get on a one to one situation and I think to be to have that coming through and shining through just gives you probably more information than you would get on just a um an actual score <laughs> of the show.
1: and the children tell you everything they don't hide anything they tell you absolutely everything that's going on that you can tell right away whether they have it they don't have it um what their vision is themselves um but clearly they can tell you if they're enjoying it and you can tell from the way they talk to you if they're enjoying things if they're passionate about what they're learning and you know i always say just go to the children it's all about the children when we do visits for new parents coming into school i get the children to do it i don't do it because the children actually will show them what the school is about
0: so to round off if there's a head teacher or a member of staff in a school listening to this and they just think that's the type of school I want to be in. That's the sort of um, um, working and learning environment I want to be in. Have you got any sort of real advice or, um, from a sort of a personal level or or even just a, a logistics level of something which you could say, why don't you start here or why don't you think about this as is, is a starting point to help their journey in, in this general direction?
1: I think the biggest thing to say is, you know, there always is another way. Always. Um, and... The key thing is, is it's about putting the children first, putting the children at the heart of everything that you do, and also putting your staff at the heart of everything. They're your team. They're your backbone. Um, they are the ones who inspire your children every day. So you've got to start with them, and you know it's it's about the kids um, and doing what is right for your community that you have. It, it's not about being brave. It's just about doing the right thing, but building up a network of people around you so that you have people you can talk to all the time. And I, I always have someone I can pick up a phone to and ask a question because I don't have all the answers. you know, no one does. But it's about, you know, having someone you can talk to having someone you can question or having someone you can say actually i want to try this what do you think about this is this absolutely crazy um and and asking those questions and having those conversations with your staff because they're the ones who are having to implement it on a day-to-day basis so they're they're crucial
0: and and that I guess brings us full circle in terms of it's all about the team. It's all about the community within the school because you're 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 doing it together, and and actually when everyone takes ownership of that, then then you really get the the positive benefits. And it, and it sounds very much like um, if you've ever read um, any books by Richard Branson and people like that who are incredibly successful. It's all about the employees. It's all about them being an integral part of what's going on, which gives their customers the the, the kind of experience they want. And and you know it's not about business. It's about people enjoying their life. It's about people being enthusiastic about who they are and bringing that to the everyday of their life. And that's as true in school as it is in business. And I think once people can really understand that and really get involved in that, I think things will certainly feel, well, I guess change, but certainly the experience of the people involved in that situation will will have a much happier and um, inspirational time.
1: Yes. And I think my, you know, I always say to staff, I want you dancing into school and they laugh, but it's true. I want them to come into school absolutely loving what they do because it will inspire the kids. It will inspire the parents. It will inspire the community. And that's what learning is about.
0: And I think that's the perfect place to end. What a, what a great sentiment to finish on. Thank you so much for chatting to me today and, and some great insights there for people listening. And um, I really appreciate, appreciate you taking the time to show me your school.
1: Now, thank you very much for coming.